Um, we're just going to talk about the institutional self-assessment survey just briefly. I'm going to give you examples of how four different institutions and did the administration of the ISS, and they're all different from one another. Yeah. And what I'm hoping it'll do is, when, as you're hearing these examples, you go, oh, they'll, they'll never work here, or yeah, there's a piece of that that could actually work here. And so then after that, the question is, is how are you going to structure your administration of the ISAS? So the ISAS team, 8 to 15 individuals from across the campus, it, could, it can be a little bit more if you want that. I wouldn't recommend less. Um, there may be some people that are outside of your particular division but have an impact on your students that you might want to involve. You also might want to. <laughs> and you also um, may want to make sure, and I was unclear that we may already have people in the room that are, are this, um, fit this description, but are frontline students in, in the different categories. Um, what you're going to do is you're going to meet as a group somehow and come to a consensus and administer one, I mean, excuse me, and submit one survey to CAO. So this, the whole point in this is to have some dialogue. And inevitably, there's going to be some items on the survey where some people say, yes, this is the experience that our students have, and the same person in, in that group is saying, no, they don't. And so it may be that some students do and some students don't, and you need to kind of come to some sort of way of responding to that. And that process in and of itself, if the, the, the purpose of that is in and of itself, that work will help you realize where you might need to go next in serving your adult students. But the consensus can be around that our students get different experiences. We don't have to say, oh, well, that set of information isn't, we're going to say, this is the way it is. You said, because people may disagree about how we can, our consensus can be around, we treat students differently. Um, not really. No? <laughs> <laughs> the, item, the item is going to, is going to ask you to, um, to answer it. Now, you may have, you might have to pick something that's in the middle between not at all oh, okay. and all the time. Okay. To deal with that. To deal with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is just an example of one of the items on the survey. So you get a sense of this. Is to what extent does your institution partner with other organizations to deliver support services? Here are your options. And if you notice the bottom, provide examples on the supplementary page. And that's what I talked about earlier. Um, you want to say almost always. Well, what exactly do you do? Okay. Um, now here's some, here's going into the examples. The first one is Empire State College. Um, are you familiar with Empire State College? It's a very large public university in the state of New York. They have, I think, over 17,000 students. The campus is all over. Pardon me? That's, that wasn't No, that Excelsior is what used to be Regents. Okay. Yeah. No. And, and they have campuses in, in Manhattan and out all over the state. All over the state. So in rural areas, down in the city, all over the place. And it was founded in the early 70s as a, a, a school for adults. It's the State University School for Adults. And one of the challenges there is that each, each location for, the, for Empire State College, they all did the similar things, but everybody did a little bit differently. And, so, and everybody was very territorial about the way that they were doing it is the way that needed, it needed to be done. And one of the... The uh, opportunities here was to try to bring some more 
um, regularity into how things were happening across the state. So they instituted this cross-functional uh, cross team. Somebody joked earlier about checking into the Penn Stater. <laughs> well, that's what these people did. They checked into a hotel for two days. <laughs> and they had a retreat. Um, no, some of these individuals. They did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the idea was to reach consensus on on all of the, the items in the survey. And one of the reasons that I said they were very territorial, so they had to leave their egos behind. And the person that was facilitating this basically asked everybody to come in as if they were an outside consultant. <coughs> so you're coming in for the first time, looking at this, this information for the first time. How would you look at it? How would you respond to it? Um, I'm just going to give you a little bit about what, how this worked at this institution, and I won't be doing that with the other ones after this, but I just want to give you a little background because I think it's kind of cool what happened. Um, what happened for them in using the ISAS is it made self-reflection a priority. It really became part of their culture. Um, they instituted a way to review their practices regularly. And this is a quote from them, cross-functional teams rock. <laughs> That's what they got, they rock. Um, it would allow them to have a holistic vision of what was happening across the institution rather than each person having just what their own, what was happening in their own little world. Um, so that was really exciting for them. What they found out from this, um, using the ISAS, is they needed more research on student success and barriers. They, their materials on, in their website needed to be more student friendly, they needed more professional development, and they needed to make some um, changes in their academic services. Um, what happened from using the ICS is the president created a cross-functional team to draft a change plan and to seek funding for it, and they did receive that funding and are well on their way with, um, with their plans by now. Their initial plans were to um, review their educational um, degree planning. They, their educational degree planning is one of their sort of signature things that they do, and they found out that it was, it was lacking in some areas. Um, they needed to make some changes in their website. They um, piloted a call center for their students, and they, um, they uh, created an, another position, which was the vice president for enrollment management. Um, So that was, that was um, the Empire State College. The next example is from Capital University. They're located in Ohio. And what they did is they created two subgroups to work on the survey. One was um, administrative, and the other was academic. So you saw earlier that the surveys uh, divided up into different areas. And so they, each group took an area that was um, related to their work. They met um, weekly or bi-weekly, six times, discussing 10 to 15 items per meeting. So they, they methodically went through it. Um, and then they really just focused on uh, what some of the systemic problems are that impact their, the services to their students. The next example is Chapman University. They're out in California, and um, they also have a number of uh, different campuses. Their uh, dean selected who would be on their ISAS team, 
And the team members worked first, instead of getting together as a group, they worked individually on the items that related to their area of expertise. And then they came together to talk about their responses to it. And they met six times over a four-month period to, to integrate those responses. This became a really big deal for Chapman University. They were right on the verge of starting their accreditation review. And what they did is they, they took the ISAS and the principles and integrated it into a matrix for their, um, their accreditation review. And if you want to see it, there is a DVD at Kale, um, not DVD, a CD, ROM, that has this incredible matrix that kind of goes on and on for all their areas um, related to the principles and the ISAS categories. Um, and then the last one is Merrillhurst University. They're located in Oregon. They're a private university. And they used an existing committee to complete the ISAS. And the committee members recruited administrators and faculty and staff to answer the questions, the items on the survey. And then the, the committee gathered that information and synthesized it into the, into the responses to the ISAS. They then fed that back out to the, the college community um, through, they did, I think, some web pages. They led specific discussions in different departments, got feedback from that, and then synthesized that again. So it was this sort of continuous loop between the committee and the, the um, university at large. So what you have here really is you've got the intensive two-day conference, which was Empire State, two groups, the academic and the, in, the administrative that work methodically, you know, 10 to 15 items at a time. You have the Chapman, which you have a team, but everybody works on their own items and then it comes together to synthesize. And then you've got Merrillhurst, which has the team, the team that brings in outside voices and, and kind of does this, this loop of information to make sure that everybody is on board and agrees with what's being submitted. So that's very quickly four different ways to go at it. Obviously, there's some overlap, and some of them are quite different from each other. And the, um, one of the last, um, oops, I'm just going the wrong way. Um, so, the uh, task then for, for you here um, in the next little bit is developing the ISAS team, which may be not take very long, because this, again, may be everybody in the room, talking about how you want to do the meeting strategy. And again, we, we can begin that conversation and you can finalize that you know, after this meeting if it, if, it, if it isn't immediately apparent to you. And then develop a timeline. Um, and again, that's something we can either address here or you can assign a committee to, to do that. Um, you just want to make sure, since we're right up to the Christmas holiday here, um, you're, if, if this is your ISAS team, you're in good shape because one of the, the um, challenges when we have an institution that comes to us in December and says we want to do the ISAS, and then they start trying to figure out who should be on their team in January. The next thing you know, it's know, April and they yeah. haven't started yet. So, um, so anyway, um, let me just start with, I'm going to pass this worksheet around that I brought, which is um, an ICS planning sheet, and it, it takes each section of the 
institutional self-assessment survey, and then there's the position and the person next to it that you might that you can fill in. Now, but yeah, I guess everybody here is going to be on this ISAS team, or I assume that's why Wayne invited them here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a general idea, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we may not have everybody we need. And that's I think true. That's part of what we have to think about. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that. Um, I think it's important, if you look at these categories, it's important to have a point person for each category. That does not mean that the, that point person has to know absolutely everything there is to know about the data in that area, because you can go out and collect it from the experts that you need to. But why don't you take a few minutes and um, look at this and, and see if the people in the room are who you need to have here if there's anybody else. development folks for the key constituencies. Mm -hmm. Sue or Chris. Sue or Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Tom could comment on that too because of his, his uh, cooperative extension mm -hmm. activities. I noticed in the uh, recruitment and orientation, we didn't have Laura here. We really need mm -hmm. she needs to be involved. Or Darren, or, you know, probably Laura. Would you want to have people from key departments involved? Like Kyle Peck? Because that's the part that I see that's missing is the academic connection. Yeah. See, we have primarily liberal arts and HD and D degrees, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could talk. We could think about having having Amos involved in the faculty recruitment and development, or in teaching and learning. Well, depending on how we deal with it, mm -hmm. they might be involved in everything, even though they're represented representing particular mm -hmm. areas they could be she could be involved in either of those probably. Victoria or 
Because especially with the new e-billing and, and those, From what those issues. We play my still our own bursary within continuing it though. So Are you outside of this new system then? Not outside of it, but, but we do our own okay. external billing. So you're, <laughs> but I do sure. wonder whether or not it would be useful to expose somebody from in the bursar operation oh, yes. to what we're up to. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. That's yeah. a cost unit. I think it would be very valuable. Jane, do you have any suggestions from the bursar's office? Um, Kellen Seale might be a good person. Or mm -hmm. Leanne. Leanne has the name just escaped me. <laughs> Who was the first one? Kieran Zayana. Can you spell the last name or? S-A-O-N-A. -A. Okay. Diane suggested we might want to also add another um, faculty person if we, uh, and you had, was it you that mentioned, I think? Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody with a diversity perspective uh, mm -hmm. would be represented in that group, possibly, too. So we might think about that. Well, Miguel might be a person. Miguel could be, yeah, that's true. He teaches Spanish, and he also um, develops programs yeah, uh, you're right. related to that audience. Yeah. So you would recommend that we put someone in a in the lead position in each one of these categories? That actually leads to the next question. Is your, <laughs> is your meeting strategy? It depends on how you want to complete the survey, how you want to administer it. Um, if you want to break it up um, into more than one group, mm -hmm. um, you, you would, I would recommend that definitely having a lead person. Um, it's, I think it's important at some point to have, if you are going to use more than one group, to have everybody come together at some mm -hmm. point. Um, 
to talk about your responses. And, and even just how the process went for you and what were some of the, the key issues you discussed, because that's part of the learning. I guess one of the things I, I'm thinking about, Becky, is that I think I really like people discussing these things across these various units about mm -hmm. the whole thing, given that we're on the front end of trying to do something bigger. I, what if we did something like had everybody over Christmas break has to go and, and actually look at the survey at some point in time? themselves, by themselves, and put down, you know, if, if they have some examples of what they're talking about, uh, you know, in, in certain areas. And then we came back together with the administration and teaching and learning or the academic piece, and then, you know, so it would be everybody broken into two groups and then come back to one group. When would you break, so they would break apart immediately? It, it, the administration and the teaching and learning people, when we come back from Christmas break, there would be a meeting set up for each one of those groups where they got together and talked about what they had done over Christmas, in particular in this You're a hard driver. I am. <laughs> and you said you want this done by February. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, I don't think that that's, I don't know, do you think that's outrageous to ask people to read that survey? Over the break? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're too hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I've been an adult student too long. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so be, you know we'll fix the time. It didn't have to be Christmassy, right? New Year's Eve. But you know what I mean. Like if everybody really looked at the survey before they came to a meeting, I think that really facilitates what yeah, they're thinking about, and then uh, and it also helps us everybody to get their ideas down as far as examples, evidence of what what they're talking about. What if they, what if we did what if we did what you said but have everybody at first meet as a whole group okay. and then have them break and then later come back together? I'd like them to mm -hmm. hear all those examples for the first time and just see what people are thinking about. Right, right. But I think it's important for each individual to have an opportunity without the noise from the yeah. other people to put their um, mm -hmm. ideas down. To do their work. Yeah. But I probably, you know, we won't do it till after New Year's. <laughs> I'm having a party at my house on New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> we all invited to. We're going to do the That before or after the liquid? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wine first? Or? Wine first, and we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> I, I like your idea of, of the two groups, like capital at mm -hmm. night, where you have the academic and then the administrative or student service kind of right. bent to it. Would you agree, since you're our academic? <laughs> I like the Penn State idea. <laughs> <laughs> we could be a good rate over the holidays. <laughs> some sense, as Wayne is saying, that they know what's going on on this side. I mean, I have some sense just because I work with you guys. Yeah. 
um, I think it would be a good idea for the faculty to have to know that you know we're not just coming to teach. Mm -hmm. We're part of this organization. Mm -hmm. What if they out if if we progress? I think that that we can before the next meeting be tasked with going through it and. And doing that, depending that the meeting's not on the third of January, <laughs> but, um, but have a group meeting with a contingency plan that, if if we need, if we find that we're not coming to a consensus easily enough, mm. that the groups then have to break up. Mm. Okay, because we may accomplish ninety percent of this. I'm an optimist. <laughs> I mean, we, could, we, we already know we're coming into it saying we're going to we're going to work on consensus. That's a big step right there. So you know we may be able to accomplish that, and then maybe it's the academic area that needs more work, and then needs a meeting subsequent to that. Send them out to do the Is the idea to come to consensus? I mean, mm -hmm. you have to come to some, you, you have to put something down and submit it on the paper. Mm -hmm. But I am a big proponent of process, and so I want to know the different views, even though this may, our middle-of-the-road answer may be the answer that we put down, but the important part to me is the fact that somebody from admissions is looking at it totally different than I might be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's I right. I think yeah. that process will happen, but we, we can't, I guess, um, Martha knows me very well, you know, <laughs> I won't use the energy to, to bring in the, the statistics and the data and, you know, to convince the group that, you know, maybe this will be a better, better path or something, um, because that's not the goal. Mm -hmm. Okay, the goal is not to educate. I mean, it will happen. I think during the discussions, but that's not really the goal. And we can pursue certain individual items, maybe even task force wise sure. or subcommittees or that type mm -hmm. of thing as an offshoot of this. That would be valuable. You know, if we find mm -hmm. that there are things. The discussion by itself should be educational. Mm -hmm. I mean thinking those different perspectives will pop up, I think. And we should have somebody uh, taking notes or transcribing or taping mm -hmm. the discussion so we don't mm -hmm. uh, lose the concepts that we're. Is there anybody else? We, any other category? You want to cover? Yes. Thank you. What you want? Yeah. If I may make a sure. suggestion as a novice. And I hope that Diane and Ruth will say, no, that's not. But we looked at the barriers before. Is there any barrier that isn't addressed by the people who you've um, already identified? You know, Becky, I wonder if the, um, the groups you're dealing with on the um, remediation work, the um, high school people like Donna Ricketts or somebody, ought to be connected at least for part of this into this. They haven't, I mean, we're just beginning to collaborate with them on that, but we might. Do we need someone for the learning center? Oh, yeah. 
No, we complain because those services aren't available at nighttime. Mm -hmm. But no, you can complain louder. <laughs> <laughs> but having them on this committee would be one way to start to address that. That's yeah, good. That's true. As well as having you outreach those services. Right. They're non existent to win. Yeah. So, what group is that? It's the University Learning Center, and they provide tutoring services. Uh -huh. and they actually are open to him right now. Really? Yes. But I only All know, the time? I only know that by accident. You know, um, yeah. Oh. We did um, undergraduate education had an open house, and they're part of that. And mm -hmm. so are we now, admissions. And they were explaining that for, for students, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're open to them. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. There is so some confusion about whether or not our students are eligible for tutoring. Really? Uh, because we had uh, a problem last semester with one of our adult students um, being sort of rejected from the tutors. I think the tutoring is done based on specific courses, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that was their concern or not. No, it wasn't. It was that they have a lot of undergraduates to take care of. Yeah. But the yeah. undergrad, well, my comment was that our students had paid the same tuition. Yeah. And so. A course is a course, a student is a student. Yeah. yeah. And our students were paying more tuition over Absolutely. the course of their. Right. But didn't you also raise the issue that sometimes the CE course was taught differently than the resident instruction course? And so when they mm -hmm. went in for help, the peer tutor didn't have the knowledge that oh. the right. Uh, I guess that's what I was trying to say. Okay. They, they had some concern that they weren't going to be able to meet the needs because they're it, the students taking very specific coursework to be able to tutor in this particular area, and so everything's not exactly the same. Okay. I mean, it doesn't make your student feel any better if they've been rejected. But yeah. Well, this student, what happened was that in typical adult student style, the student had had major anxiety about taking, I think it was a chemistry course, or I forget, chemistry or stat. Anyway, and they started going week one, every week. So whenever the other students realized that they <laughs> weren't doing well, <laughs> our student who had been proactive got booted. And <laughs> yeah. In the same course then. Yeah, I mean, they are essentially, the, I mean, if you understand the concepts, there shouldn't be a problem. Uh, but they don't have copies of the tests. They probably don't have copies of our instructor's tests, yeah. which is something we can remedy if we wanted to. But I'm not, I mean, that, uh, and we did discuss with them that that, you know, couldn't happen. Maybe they see, need to see this bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. so I'm buying the <laughs> What about or someone from that office that is doing more of the assessment mm -hmm. university wide? Well, you certainly it. sensitize them to it. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> you know, we I had thought about I don't know why I'm laughing, I think we've been here too long. <laughs> <laughs> I could see the tutors being upset or being intimidated by the 
adult students mm -hmm. and the intensity of the adult student. Is that true? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because, you know, I remember taking my first math course after 10 years and I had to do every one of the problems. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that surprises you, mm -hmm. but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, because I was so, in, you know, worried that I wouldn't be able to do well. So I think that, that you know, when you talked about having them to go 60 people be tutors mm -hmm. for our adult students, that might be a good... Might be a better way to go. What about the Shroud Learning Institute that you've talked to those people over there? Well, uh, I did... I do have a name of someone to talk to about the weekend called Gen Accelerated Learning. So mm -hmm. that might be a good thing. Or we could just instead of inviting these people to be because we don't want our group to get too big, I I would imagine. You mean forties too large? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should discuss that and bring the information back to the group rather than having everybody you know, like, like if there's individuals that we know that could bring that perspective. Is that? Yeah, we could do that. You mean talk to the individuals and have the information and bring it back to the, to the group? Right. Yeah. Right. Part of, let me, um, it seems to me that there's a hidden agenda in these things. Or at least I have a hidden agenda. <laughs> <laughs> that way. Um, but it, it always seemed to me that part of the hidden agenda is bringing the people together is to begin to um, build connections and networks across the institution mm -hmm. for this stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that can happen to this too is that we start to have those linkages that, um, that allow us to... And sharing perceptions. Yeah. I mean, that your perception of what's happening... I mean, my, Somebody even in another office might be completely oblivious mm -hmm. to what kind of impact their policies have on your students. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is this is the framework to do that education mm -hmm. or just yeah. have a nice conversation. So yeah, that is that is the hidden agenda. Mm -hmm. Not so hidden. Yeah, <laughs> not so I think so. Becky is okay. I have a question. Oh. I'm sorry, I was. <laughs> a question. There's a lot of, um, you pointed out a lot of open ended stuff at the end. Um, since we'll be giving it to you, we'll know what that is. But then, do we get that information from the other institutions as well? No, we're, we're actually working, I think Kale's working on a, a database of, of those supplemental pages. And you know, you I mean, I hope that there are some things you'll be filling out, but you may not be filling that out for every, every right. one. Right, 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 yeah. For, you know, whatever you might have, since it is best practices, right. it mm -hmm. certainly would be very useful information right. for you know, us to look at in terms of 
what it is that other schools are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you have that in you know, the book. Yes. Um, right. And I, I've gone through that book and looked at that. And, and we've done some of that work for, for our own campuses and, and other schools in the areas um, surrounding our campuses. But I would be very interested in learning you know, what kind of feedback you're getting on that. From the other schools, mm -hmm. so that's something that you know, we have access to at some point. The other question I had was in terms of the student data. Um, we've been uh, working with the Juventus, and, and because we are one of the few institutions that actually has its own research you know, department of a fairly um, intense research unit. Um, what we did with Adventures was we, instead of asking them to give us a report, we asked them to give us the actual data set. Mm -hmm. um, so that then we can do our own analysis, which is more custom oriented to our needs. And, uh, and that has been very helpful. And, and I was wondering if that's something you do. So you would, yeah, you would give us the yeah, if you'd like that, you can okay. definitely, yeah. that would be something very helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I don't know, I don't want to take too much time, I know other people might have comments too, but the, uh, one of the other thing I um, want to just put out on the table for all of us to consider is we do s surveys of students, we have to be very, very careful about confidentiality. So I know we were talking about you know, using the IDs and um, using the student IDs, and those are the things that we have to be very careful about. And even with when we did the survey with Edu Ventures, we did not share with them the Penn State IDs. Um, we assigned a random number to each student, even though we were able to assign them a number that we could identify as a Penn State number, it was not a true Penn State number. Mm -hmm. So nobody but the data person on the third floor of the outreach building knows or has access to the information that, you know, 0001 means, you know, this Penn State ID number. So that's something we have to keep in Is there a solution here that you want to propose for how we handle this thing? Um, if we are doing it, um, we're going into the classrooms and doing it, um, we can uh, do it exactly the way we did the Adventures study, that we would just assign them a random number and give that to null notes um, to tag that to the survey. I think you can do it that way. That um, You'll need to, to speak with um, yeah. the contact at null notes. I'm sure she can work out something that will work for you. And so we, since we, we worked through Adventures with that, we, we know exactly what Penn State will allow us to do and what the limitations are. Mm -hmm. So it would be easier to do it the second time around. But mm -hmm. we've gotten all the books worked out in terms of making sure the Penn State conditions for con confidentiality are you know, uh, kept. Were you, are you on that committee with Becky then? Uh, Becky, what committee is it that's going to deal with that? The Logistics Committee? Is that yes. Be yeah, she is. Um, better than I am. <laughs> we'll put you both on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, don't back up. 
because, uh, but talent, you do have a, a background in, you know, what's the best way to do the survey, so you were a really good person to have on Was that it now? Yeah. I had uh, two other things. One is, I wondered whether we needed uh, one of uh, Shell Seabolt's people from the technology group. I don't know. Rachel, I mean, we have Rachel Stover helping with the logistics. But Rachel is a data person, not a technology oh, person, okay. necessarily. We had a, it may not be critical. Is there a particular reason why you were thinking that? Yeah, because technology is one of the categories here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, see, that would be very different from why you're involving Rachel. Mm -hmm. See, the, the learning center, though, does technology orientations. So I wonder if that. And Kit does it. too. Kit can't please this for us too. So that may address it. <coughs> what aspect of technology is it? Knowledge of technology? Or is it, isn't it more just how to use Angel and some of the built in mechanisms that we have? Yeah. I guess what was flowing through my mind, and maybe I talked to Cheryl about it, is whether our technology group is responsive to, is it thinking in terms of what do adults need as it constructs its systems? Because, you know, we do so many things internally. We construct our systems all the time. And do they work for adults? I don't know. That might be a question we don't want to know the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> Before Jean left, we, we had a chance to talk about that, and, and the technology gap wasn't really the students having yeah. a technology, but that there's a gap between how we're designing the technology and the adult learner's needs. Right. That, and and so, that's, yeah, that's so you do at. address that. Yeah. And, there, there's so many different committees that are working on, on that aspect that I'm not sure you might be able to, to think of um, someone that, that represents maybe several of them because there's, um, you know, there's so many points of entry on, from the web into information for students. Mm -hmm. You know that you must struggle with that amongst your, even outreach. Mm -hmm. oh, um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, do you do do you need someone from the CE design team or mm -hmm. the outreach design team? It may be one that we, as you had suggested, that you bring in for a particular or go interview them or talk to them or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Well, the people that are designing our new page mm -hmm. right now. The other thing I had was, um, going back to the 10 questions issue, I wonder whether we should ask something about um, their, um, what's the word? Um, their um, acceptance, uh, how, how good they feel about their participation in classes with traditional age students, given that so many and one of the issues is, should we be building more environments just for adults? Is one of the things I'm wondering about. How we would do that is a big question, I understand. <laughs> but 
In theory, that's good, but if you only have two adults in a class, I mean, you could try to get, you, you can try to move those adults all into one class, but then that cuts down on their choices for times and places. I'd like to add to that that you need a time difference for that question because um, anecdotally, you know, I think that the, the adult learners come into a classroom and there's that initial concern. Mm -hmm. But is that concern still the same, the yeah. same by the end because, you know, it starts to blend. And then most of the time I think it starts to blend. Well, do you think that information for Penn State would be any different from information that's out there in, in scholarly academic research that's available? Or do we need to through women or through... Um, do you think there's studies on that particular issue? I mean, I think, and this is a guess on my part, but I think we at Penn State have a lot more of age students with our adults than most institutions do. Many of these institutions um, that I have uh, gotten to know about in Kale and um, at the uh, Accelerated Learning Program before it either split these populations, they have an on-campus population and they have a nighttime population. Um, my sense is they tend to handle them in different settings and that they don't have lots of situations where there are 30 18-year-olds and three adults. Mm -hmm. But that's just my impression. I could be wrong. Well, I have to say that the, the institutions that are most active with Kale are the institutions that have an adult learning program in some yeah. way, shape, or form. What was it like in Indiana? Well, that's, that's just what I was going to say. Um, one of the things that happens in the general studies degree program in Indiana is that everybody's in the same class. So somebody who is 37 is sitting next to somebody who's 17 in the same class. They have the same um, prerequisites for the class. But I think that adding this question, my own opinion is that adding this, adding this question might help uh, clarify perceptions. I mean, I think that from what I saw also anecdotally is that it didn't matter. I mean, mm -hmm. adult students got over whatever discomfort they felt. In fact, they felt more comfortable than some of the 17-year-olds in the class. But, um, but, oh, but, but I think that an external perception might be, this is really a problem. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about um, high importance, high satisfaction, mm -hmm. and how that uh, correlates with what the institutional perception is. It because be what we have otherwise is, is anecdotal evidence. Yeah. I mean, and what I, I mean, I have uh, students who, who've uh, talked to me about, um, you know, when we do group projects, um, I, as the adult, end up doing all the work. Mm -hmm. They don't do their work, they don't come on time, they don't show up, all, you know, all that Yeah, but I hear that from Andrew, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I think that there's, there's a, that's why we're, you know, I mean, I think part of this is the faculty handling of the group and how they set up the teaching learning environment. Uh, do they know how to make a, to assign people to groups? Sure. Do they, are they taking that into consideration, that kind of stuff. And I think, 
um, that the intergenerational stuff could be, I mean, people can work that into the, could work the way the, assign, you know, the assignment goes. So, for instance, in my transition course, I used to have uh, the older adults with the younger ones because the younger ones were good with technology and the older adults had the critical thinking skills and background that they could offer. So if you link them together, they're actually symbiotic. You know, they needed each other uh, for that. But you can't, you know, be expected to show up at the hub at midnight for right. a course right. meeting. <laughs> this gives us a chance, though, to collect data on all these people. Probably the most comprehensive we'll get for a long time. So at least we find out what they mm -hmm. think. What they think. There's a, there's a question that's already in there that says something about do you have opportunity for good interactions with other adult students? And when I read that question, I was wondering why we segregated it out to just adult students. Because if you have that question already, you could also ask the question of do you have the opportunity to have good interactions with other students? And by comparing their answers, we get at that. Does it make a difference if they're in or higher who the students are? Mm -hmm. If they're adults or not adults. Mm -hmm. If they would interpret it that way, other students as being everybody. Right. Well, you probably get, because we do, the question Am I going to be in the class with other adults? Uh -huh. and, and how you have to hedge that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I think, it's, I, I think it's a great question. I just. The challenge would be to word it so it's not yeah. it's yeah. not that initial reaction, but I guess it's it's by the by the end of the class, you know, and however you want to word it to gather that. But I, I think for your marketing purposes it might might be helpful. Mm -hmm. Well at least we can consider it. Yeah. Will you send stuff back to us on what you took down on notes mm -hmm. and these things? Mm -hmm. okay. Be interesting to see how you format those yeah, questions. Right. That's, that's what's going to be the challenge. Well, I think that's a good idea. However, we decide to word that, I think it's good to have that feedback because I think it's important for the faculty to know that they may have an important role in, in terms of creating an environment for those students, mm -hmm. for those adult students. Mm -hmm. But if they're just going in and thinking, okay, well, I've got 40 students and only three of them are. Adults, I don't have to teach this any different than I'm teaching my daytime right. grad course. Mm -hmm. right. But if they know that those three students are really having a negative impact because of the situation that they're in, they need to know that. Right. Right. Or they're not having it. If it doesn't make that's any difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Going back to the institutional self-assessment survey, do you feel comfortable with the people you've identified being that process and the processes created to carry that out, at least for the time being? I had one more idea along that line. A lot of the things we brought up initially were financial aid things. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody on the institutional side for financial aid? Jane. Okay. Jane. Hey, <laughs> I think uh, we'll need to go back and go through the, you know, the 
summarize it and look at it and right. then yeah. discuss it, at the, you know, a, a little bit about have we missed anything. Right. But it sounds like you've got a preliminary yeah, way so. to move forward. It might get adjustments, but... It won't have that January problem that you were concerned right. about. Right, right. I think we're 80, 90 percent there. Okay. And um, I just want to make sure that I understand. So, there, Becky, are you the, the person that's heading up the ISAS administration as well? Okay. Um, the next question is, do you want to spend any time now on timelines for that, or do you want to deal with that later with your group as you, you know, feel your way through how you want to do administration? I would, uh, I'd like to work on it and uh, get some input from some other people before I do that and then okay. send it out to the group for feedback. Okay. I think that would be the better better way to do it. Um, I know that Wayne's goal is the end of February. Maybe so Working we'll backwards, you need uh, to um, plan for about three to four weeks from the time you submit the ISS till when you would have your results. Okay. So that but helps was, you to think about when. Right. I, I don't think you meant, Wayne, that we needed to have our results back at the end of February. Mm -hmm. That would be when we would have to have the survey done. So you're looking at the full spring break? I, I would think so, but I, I think you guys can work as a group to figure right. out what would be best at yeah. this point so in time. That was just weeks, some preliminary. Two weeks before spring break, because yeah. you don't want to do it the week before. Yeah. No, no, we have a, it's March 12th this year. 12th, March 12th. Yeah. So in right. February. So the, and we're talking about the survey, our own survey, our internal survey. Yes. And then the students would be after spring break. Either before or after, not right around though. Yeah, well. Originally I thought about doing it before, but I think now that we've been through this process, mm -hmm. I think you ought to sit. You better drive this, not yeah. me. So you better figure out what Yeah, I have to I'm gonna have to sit down with the notes and that kind of thing to put the timeline together and then we do have some committee, I mean, we have our committees put together pretty much. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, it's just going to take a while for me to, um, you know, go through the stuff. And please, any of you who have any ideas that come to mind, just shoot the email to me. Yeah, didn't she I say probably will. <laughs> That's the sad part about it. I'll be thinking about it. <laughs> End up on a computer. Okay, any other comments or questions about this? Okay, I'm going to turn things over to Judy. I just, right before I do that though, I want to let you know that in here, stuck in the back pocket, is a booklet that looks like this called Principles and Practice. And these are the these are case studies on how a number of schools, why they administered the, the LP assessment tools, how they did it. Some of the things that I talked about today mm -hmm. are written up in here. All the schools, actually, that I talked about today are written up in here. What they got out of it. Um, so this might be helpful just as you start thinking through how you want to do things. They also talk a little bit about um, the adult learner inventory and how they do that, too. Not as much, but it's mostly focused on the ISAS and then the benefits from using the instrument. Mm -hmm. So that's the resource for you. There's also 
should be, and maybe there's, oh yeah. In the very back, Becky, this is more for you, but in the very back of the last sheet of the notebook is a transmittal form. And this is just, um, says that this has been reviewed and um, it's the process. Okay. Everybody's come to consensus and when you'll need to sign this before it's sent in. Oh, okay. Okay? So I include that along with it. So we're coming down to the end. Okay. He's going to talk a little bit about um, sharing the data. Okay. Actually, um, I hope you would talk a little bit about sharing the data. But first, I, I also want to talk about this booklet. Uh, just